three. You're listening to Sports Talk Chicago with your host, John Zaglul. John, I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. You got an awesome voice, man, and that was a terrific <laughs> intro. You're like a pro's pro. You know, that was the first time somebody ever said that, John. No, you're the first person to ever say anything like that. That's, that's very interesting. You got it, John. Anything for a fellow Chicago guy? <laughs> well, what a great question. That's a great question. Nobody's actually asked me that. <laughs> I like it. What a great question. I never heard that before. Chase, wait, wait, Chase Utley is what? You're saying he's not a Hall of Fame candidate? You know, it's it's funny. I, I, You may be the only person that I've heard make that connection. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm doing great. By the way, you have an outstanding voice. I'm not sure about your face because I haven't met you, but your voice is great. You're doing a much better job than I ever did. You've had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man, so keep up the good work, but it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to Sports on Chicago. My name's John Zaglou. Great to have you here. Today's edition of the program, the Bears won. They beat the Patriots on MNF. We'll break it all down to just a second. Plus, a brand new interview today with Tim Jenkins, former NFL quarterback and an NFL film guru. We'll talk with him extensively about what he saw from Justin Fields, Bears football, and so much more. It's a great interview. Don't want to miss it. Comes up near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports, Facebook John Zaglul. Want to watch more of this show? Head on over to SportstalkChicago.com. Want to start today with this? Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> Boy, were a lot of people wrong. The Bears won. They beat Bill Belichick. They beat the Patriots. It was primetime football. Oh, by the way, the Bears handily won. There was no dispute, no wondering, no worries. The Bears dominated defensively, offensively, every single facet of the game. There were very few, if any, mistakes even. This was the best game. Of the Bears' season, this was the best game of Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus's tenure here in Chicago. This was the best game of the offense in 2022, the defense. Everybody came together and played their best game. It was a statement win in front of everybody in America, and it showed this. Not necessarily that the Bears are back or the Bears are going to be a playoff team, but it did show that the future is bright. That's the key from this entire game. The future. What could happen if the Bears spent money on wide receivers, spent money on an offensive line, continued to develop Justin Fields, and made sure he didn't turn over the ball as much. Had their defense play well. Tyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker, Roquan Smith. Last night showed the future for the Bears could be amazing. And it could be by next year we see this team in the playoffs. And the NFL and America should be put on notice. Now, the game didn't start off the best. The Bears were behind, and Patriots obviously took the lead. Billy Zapp came in for Mac Jones, that whole debate. Now apparently we're finding out that Mac Jones left the game on purpose. It was planned because of his injury. I don't buy that for a second. And it didn't look like that 
at that moment. So what if Mac Jones did well? What if Mac Jones was thrown for two touchdowns? Would he still have been taken out of the game? I don't buy the story from Bill Belichick and Patriots media. The fact is, Mac Jones was the worst quarterback, and now the Patriots have a quarterback controversy. The minute they put in Bailey Zapp, although Zapp is a decent quarterback, you knew there was going to be trouble for the Patriots, and sure enough, the Bears capitalized. They did a great job at forcing Zapp to throw two picks and then coming through on those mistakes later on in the game. Bears dominated in rushing yards, too. 243 rushing yards. That's a big reason why they won. Justin Fields at 82. And a touchdown. Montgomery had 62. Herbert had 62. Pettis had 29. Fields had a rushing TD. Same with Montgomery. We're going to talk about Fields' passing performance in a minute. But that's how you win football games. 243 rushing yards as a team. 5.6 yards per play overall. Only 147 passing yards, but that's all the Bears needed. Here's what I'm starting to see with this Bears team offensively. This could become, if Luke Getze does things the right way and Justin Fields develops, a Baltimore Ravens-type situation. Because it's clear that the Bears are using him more to run the football now, which is fine by me. I have no complaints about that. I'd love to see him develop more as a passer, and maybe we will see that moving forward. But I'll take 14 carries for 82 yards and a touchdown from my quarterback any day of the week. I love rushing quarterbacks. This could turn into a Baltimore Ravens-type offense, and that's great, as the emphasis last night was on running, not on passing. Fields at only 179 yards, 13 of 21, one touchdown, one pick. They aren't horrible numbers, but they aren't great. But the rushing, when you add that in and the rushing touchdown, then all of a sudden, hey, Fields played a pretty good game. Now, the interception... Inexcusable, had a couple of fumbles too. Bad conditions, but still got to hold on to that football. But Fields still took a step forward in last night's game, mainly being the leader, being the leader of this team. You know, we have this misconception about quarterbacks. In football, they have to lead. They have to score 100 points. They have to pass for 1,000 yards. That's not necessarily the only job of a quarterback. And this isn't saying Justin Fields is a bust or he sucks, but hear me out on this. It's okay to be a game manager. It's okay to just be a leader and keep things calm and have your offense move forward and you lead and be at the helm. Justin Fields last night passing did not win or lose the game for the Bears. He was there. It wasn't amazing, but it wasn't bad. He was there. But he kept the offense in check. He executed the plays from Luke Getze. He made sure that he set up the run game by passing a bit, showing that he could pass, then designed running, and kept the defense off balance. Luke Getze called a great game, play-wise. You don't have to be a Patrick Mahomes to win and to be considered, in my opinion, a great quarterback. Great quarterbacks aren't just money-making stat machines. Look at Matt Ryan. He just got benched. Matt Ryan is one of the fastest quarterbacks in history to get to 50,000 passing yards. He's benched in Indianapolis. Numbers don't always matter, or totals and accumulations of stats don't always matter. What matters is, can you win? And can you lead and manage an offense? Last night, for the first time all year, I was able to say with certainty, Justin Fields could lead this offense. And that's a pretty big statement coming from me. Now, that could change next week with another crappy performance, like the first couple of weeks, we don't know. 
But based off of last night and last night alone, Justin Fields is capable of running this offense. He's capable of being a competent to above average to even superstar level starting quarterback, depending on his development as a passer. And that's the key. I'm cool with him running. It's great to see him going for 89 yards in a game and a rushing touchdown. But keep this in mind. Lamar Jackson can pass, right? Other running quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts, can pass. Hurts, not till recently. And that's why he was considered a middle-of-the-pack, a late-type quarterback. But he can now pass. He has weapons. Eagles are winning. All of a sudden, he's being thrusted into MVP-type conversations. Now Jalen Hurts is statistically and realistically a top 10 QB. Justin Fields could be that if the Bears give him some weapons and if he throws for 4,000 yards. Then I'd say, yes, he's right there. But this was huge progress from Fields and huge progress from the Bears as a team. How about defensively? Roquan Smith coming through, did a great job last night. Eight tackles, four assists, and a sack. Jaquan Brisker with five tackles. Smith and Brisker with a pick. And then Kyler Gordon gets a pick, too. The Bears capitalize and force the Patriots to throw three picks. That's how you win games. The Patriots also lost a fumble. So four total takeaways in one game for these Bears defense. That's why they really won. I'm a possession with 37 minutes to 22 for the Patriots. I mean, the Bears had the ball more because they forced more turnovers. And they kept the ball in their hands. Then they scored. The Bears early on didn't. And that's why I put that out on Twitter, the difference between good teams and bad teams. Good teams will capitalize off turnovers. Bad teams won't. Early in the game, Patriots scored after the Justin Fields interception. The Bears couldn't when they intercepted Mac Jones. But later in the game, they learned, they scored, they took advantage. This is the first time in almost a year that the Bears scored 30 points. The last time they did it was a loss against the Packers, 45-30. to 30. We're seeing history here. History from this Bears team last night. We all watched it together on the live stream. I mean, there's so much more I could go into. There's so much praise and positivity for once. It's not just negativity. It's not an epic rant. It's not complaining and moaning. For once, it's good stuff we're talking about. The only criticism I have off the top of my head, Justin Fields has to hold on to the ball more. He fumbled a couple of times on him. There were snaps, and they just fell out of his hands. He had the one pick. Toned down the turnovers. And the interceptions and the fumbles, whether or not they're lost or recovered, just tone it down and hold on to the football more. And that's it. That's the only problem I had at all with last night. Great defense, great run game, decent enough pass game. But the pass game wasn't necessary. There's nothing to criticize about the pass game besides turnovers because they didn't need it. Bears didn't need to throw for 400 yards last night. And they still involved their quarterback. They still had him involved, mainly. In the run game, Justin Fields was the Bears' leading rusher last night. 82 yards, 14 carries, and a touchdown. Plus 179 passing yards and a touchdown there. That's how you win. That's how you get it done. Leo Herbert had less carries and the same amount of yards as David Montgomery, which was great. I think 
Herbert is showing everybody that the Bears don't need David Montgomery moving forward. Eleanor Mooney caught three passes. EQ St. Brown caught four. Kokomak caught two. One other thing of note, the punt returning situation does need to be figured out eventually. So Dante Pettis muffed another punt last night, and he had a good return later, but he muffed one. And everybody was wondering, I saw this on Twitter, didn't talk about it too much during the game, but where in the world was Bayless Jones? It's like, where's Waldo? Where is he? Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Huh? Where was Bayless Jones last night? Well, I'll tell you this. I called for his benching three weeks ago. I called for it again two weeks ago. And finally, it looks as if he was benched or at least not involved in the game anymore. Apparently, he was on the field at the end of the game when the Bears were taking knees and getting in victory formation. I love it. That, to me, was one of the most important and underrated parts of last night's game. No more Bayless Jones. And this is not a knock on him. This is not a personal attack. But guess what? If you can't perform, if you're 25 years old, if you're a third-round pick, if you were in college for six years and you can't catch a freaking punt, and you blow two games now, or played a major role in blowing them, yes, your ass is on the bench. That's how it works. Work on it in practice. Go to the practice squad if you have to and work on catching punts for the rest of the year. That should be his fate. That's not too harsh. That's not too mean. That's not, well, that's too much for a rookie. You're not being fair. No, I am being fair. This is a merit-based league and a merit-based team, or it should be. And Matt Eberflus, to his credit, is establishing that culture. This isn't Matt Nagy football. There are no favorites playing. This isn't John Fox football or Mark Trustman football. This is, if you perform, you play. That's it. I mean, it's not that hard to understand. It's not a hard concept to grasp, but for other coaches in football, it is. Matt Eberflus is no BS. Matt Eberflus is saying, you know what? If you can't perform, Bayless, and we've given you so many chances, we've stuck our neck out for you, then get the hell off the field. And that's it. That's Bayless Jones Jr.'s story. And I'm being serious. That played a role why the Bears won. Bayless has blown two games from muffing punts. Didn't see him last night. Bears win. Not a coincidence. Not that Pettis muffed the punt earlier, and that's scary, but later he caught a punt. It's something. It's progress. The Bears do need a reliable punt returner, somebody who knows how to catch a football, but it was better a little bit last night. Still something to be concerned about, though, moving forward. So if there are any complaints I have, it's let's catch punts. And Justin Fields, hold on to the football. That's it. Out of the entire game last night, those are the only two bad things. I have to say the rest of it was electric. This reminded me so much, really, of 2006 Bears football. The Bears capitalized and forced so many takeaways. It was takeaway after takeaway, interception after interception. Then, on the other end, the Bears just ran the ball down the Patriots' throats and scored, and scored again, and then did it again. So much like 2006. And that's not to say, by the way, that Justin Fields can't throw. He's a better passer by far than Rex Grossman. And when he learns how to hold on to the football, we're going to see great things, I think. Better things from Justin. So, yeah, I was wrong. You know what? I'm glad to be wrong. 
I'm glad to be proven wrong by this team because at the end of the day, I want to see success. I want to see progress. I want to see some sort of direction. We saw last night direction. We saw progress. We saw everybody clicking in all cylinders. There was no fire Luke Getze chance, no fire Matt Eberplus chance, no fire Ryan Poles chance, no bench Justin Fields chance. Everybody worked together. Everything worked. You got to love it. Finally, some competence. Really a welcome change from what we've seen for the past 15 years, 20 years at least. Competence. Everybody working together. Good stuff. Things we could talk about that are good. Things we could talk about that need to be adjusted a bit, but there was no horrible performance. It was just optimism, progress, looking forward to what's to come. This is not a turning point for the Bears, though. I want to make that clear. We need to see this performance sustained over two or three games. This could lead to a turning point, but it's not there yet. And I will say this now, too. The Bears have higher expectations moving forward. If we see a regression to the commander's performance, I'm going to be all over it. And you should be, too. We need to see them build off this. This is the perfect opportunity to move forward. You've got Dallas on Sunday with Dak Prescott winning that game would be another statement win. Then we could say this is a turning point for this Bears team. If they continue to play like this, they would be a fringe playoff team. I'm calling it right now. But they have to continue. That's the big key. Can this continue? Can Justin Fields continue to move in the right direction? Can the defense show up to play every game, not just some games? Can the Bears stop turning the ball over for stupid reasons, like muffs and fumbles from Fields and other players? Can the run defense be better? That was great last night. Can they do it again? One of the worst run defenses in football entering action last night. Can they get better? Too many questions, not enough answers at this point. Celebrate the win. Celebrate the surprising nature of the win. It was unexpected. It made it that much sweeter to watch. But don't fully buy in yet. Don't fully say, hey, they're turning it around. We don't know. But we can say this. Monday Night Football was the best game the Bears have played all year. They looked the best they've looked all year. And I'm very excited to see what they do moving forward. More to come here on Sports Talk Chicago. My interview with Tim Jenkins comes up next, so stay tuned. He's a former NFL quarterback, host of all things QB, and the founder of Jenkins Elite. Please welcome Tim Jenkins to the program. Tim, it's great to have you on. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm pumped up to uh, finally be able to jump on. Yeah, it's great to have you on. Um, your film analysis is second to none, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Starting with the Bears, Justin Fields, Patriots. What do you make of that game on Monday night first off? I mean, I think I, you know, I was more or less just as excited as everybody else, right? I think I've 
I've worked Justin into the weekly rotation. So now that I've got him <laughs> in the weekly rotation, I feel like I'm like everybody else kind of rooting for him. Cause I don't want to break down bad tape, but I think it was a really good game. I think like, listen, we're making a lot out of the design quarterback runs. And I do think that that was a good step in the right direction. But to me, what's always going to be his most explosive is most explosive plays are scrambles, right? Where, Hey, he drops back. It's third and 18. He makes someone miss in the pocket and he goes and gets 20. Like that's as, that's as good as it gets. So I do think the design runs, it was an exciting thing to see like, Hey, okay. They're leaning into him a little bit athletically, but to me, just the way he was working his progressions, I thought was really good. And I think the way they're designing the pass plays um, are really helping him versus kind of where they've been at early in the season. So what made the difference based on what you saw on tape on Monday versus early on in the year? I think they're using more pure progression. So I always say like, not to boil it down too simple, but I think the NFL is primarily, you get one of two things, right? You either get a PSL, which means pre and post snap look where, you know, Hey, to simplify it, let's work the right side against cover two left side against cover three. Right? So that's the PSLs. They were doing a lot of those early, which I don't think are super beneficial to a young quarterback. who You're trying to expedite his development. The pure progressions are what they did a ton of, which is no matter what, right? Hey, Mooney's are one. You know, then you're going to work your tight end. That's our two. It's not always Mooney, right? But hey, there's a one, a two, a three on an each play on each play. And that's what they did a ton of on Monday. And I think you can just see him playing more decisive with it. And, and how could you not, right? Like I think anyone in a hostile environment with a ton of fog going against Bill Belichick, I'd rather be like, man, here's my, my number one, no matter the coverage and rather than trying to diagnose everything. So to me, I think that's what they're doing more of. Um, there's two ways of looking at it. Really. I think it helps expedite their growth. Other people would say, Hey, listen, it's a bad thing. If you have to have a guy with a ton of pure progressions, but like, then I guess you got to take a shot at Josh Allen and Mahomes still working pure progressions. Right. So to me, it's like, I don't think, I don't think those kind of criticisms are fair. So I do think it's good that they're leaning into it. Are the design runs going to be sustainable for fields moving forward? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm the wrong guy to ask. If you watch my career, I went three yards and fell over. So I don't, I don't know if I can <laughs> really talk to it, but I do think like, listen, as long as he continues to protect himself, he does a good job of getting out of bounds and sliding. He'll be fine. If he gets to the point where he's having a harder time protecting himself, then that's something that, uh, you know, they'll have to evaluate. They said that they were taking plays from the Ravens playbook, trying to do a Lamar Jackson-type situation on Justin Fields. What do you make of that when you heard that news? Yeah, I think when I heard that at first, I, to me it's a lot. I would say it was like QB sweep, right? Like you don't see QB sweep anywhere but the Baltimore Ravens and then Chicago did it. I didn't see a ton of it in the passing game. Like Baltimore's passing game is completely different than what I think Chicago is trying to get done. I didn't see it show up in the passing game. I do think the QB sweep and maybe some of those – you know, hey, you know, quarterback power where they're reading that, you know, end and then he'll pull it and keep it vertical. I, I guess that you could say came from the Ravens playbook. Also, he did it at Ohio State. So it's hard to tell. Like, you know, I'm sure it came from the Ravens stuff, too. But to me, it's more or less showing up in those QB design runs. I think everything else, they've got a good track going right now. And I'd love to see them like stay on that path versus, you know, try to get too crazy with changing the concepts middle of the season. What do you make of Fields' progress up to this point? You know, from when I started watching to now, I think it's it's been a good, solid trajectory, right? There's, of course, been those games where, you know, you take a little bit of a step back before you take a big step forward. So I, I think he's doing a good job. I think even 
you know, when he's working those PSLs, right, where it's, hey, I, you know, this side versus certain covers, this side versus another, or it's a mirrored concept and we want to do dealer's choice based on a numbers count, I think he's doing a better job with them than when I first tuned in. So to me, I think it's gradual. Um, I really, you know, for me, I want to see him continue on this path of being really good with his eyes and pure progressions, being decisive with the football, and then not being afraid to go make a play. The off season is where you're going to expect him to make a huge jump in those like two shell, three shell type reads, because it's like, I think he's getting better at them in the season, but it's so hard to dedicate the amount of time needed, in my opinion, in the season to really get those right. Um, So I think that's, you'll want to see that big jump going into next year. But I do think this year we want to see him keep on that path with the pure progressions, his eye placement, and then being decisive with the football when he does know where he wants to go. Do you think he's at the right track right now, career-wise? A lot of people here in Chicago have said it should be quicker. He should be doing better. What, what do you say to that? I, I would say, I, <laughs> you know, we forget that Peyton Manning threw 40-something interceptions, <laughs> right, or whatever it was in his first two years. And we want it. Like, listen, I get why. Mahomes seemingly didn't struggle. But outside of him, you know, we all look at Josh Allen now and we're a big fan. They were trying to run him out of town. So, you know, it's like, I I don't know. I think he is making enough growth on tape that I would feel really comfortable as a coach coaching him again, right? Okay. If on tape I was seeing a bunch of the same type of issues, I would would have concerns. I don't see that. I, I could even boil it down to two plays, okay? Early in the game, he goes alert, alert against the Patriots. They're in empty, alert, alert. He checks to the cover zero screen, gets batted down. Same exact look later in that half, alert, alert. What does he do? He pump fakes him and then bat arm angles it. To me, that's like inside of a game, extreme growth. So if that doesn't kind of say, okay, this kid gets it, he's starting to follow. And not to mention like, we, we forget how hard it is to ID cover zero and get to the alert check to begin with, right? Like, that's not something that he was doing last year. That's not something that a lot of quarterbacks do, you know, super early. So he deserves credit for that. But then I also think he deserves credit for like, hey, okay, I'm going to pump him now and work it this way. So I, I there's enough on tape that he's consistently growing that I would feel good if I was, you know, the coach up there of, hey, I want to keep coaching this guy. I want to see how far we can get him. Um, I think if, if, if some of those decisions don't improve next year, then yeah, you would start to say, okay, you know, maybe we need to start looking for another quarterback. I, I, in my opinion, I think it would be a huge mistake to move on from him currently where we sit after week seven. Now he could have 10 straight weeks of really bad football. And then we would revisit this conversation, but where (laughs) he sits right now in week seven, I just have a hard time moving on from him and drafting one of these other guys who, as we loved their college game, but we loved his college game. So it's like, you gotta, you know, you gotta be careful when we think we have a surefire prospect. Well, how much of other factors do affected fields? I mean, the bears have one of the worst wide receiving cores in football measurably. Yeah, their offensive line isn't the best. They have a rookie head coach, rookie offensive coordinator. How much of those affected fields too? Yeah, I think it, I think it affects it a ton. And here's the other thing you could make a, halfway decent argument that the that Russell Wilson in Denver has struggled more than Fields right like it's not a perfect argument right but you could make one so if you could make one 
on a guy who makes $250 million and is a former <laughs> Super Bowl champion and has a rookie head coach with probably better weapons, we should probably give Fields a little bit more slack than we give Russ. So to me, that's where I do. I agree with you 100% where it's like there are so many factors, and I think he's playing well despite a lot of those factors. And and to me, it's it's hard because when you – the dynamics of the NFL of guys wanting to get their guys in there are going to factor into the decision. In terms of just me sitting on the outside looking in without like a my guy type incentive, I wouldn't move on from him. Now, they still might decide to move on from him, right, at the end of the season. I just wouldn't be in that camp right now, just strictly based on the tape. Do you think Luke Getzey's the right guy for Fields from an offensive perspective? You know, I, I, I what they're doing on offense has progressively gotten better, so I want to say yes. Because I, you know, I always... I evaluate offensive coordinators probably a little different than most. Like most are like, okay, well, how good is the offense? Uh, I, I like to see guys that get better with their guys. So, hey, we started out running a bunch of these mirrored concepts, dealer's choice, and then he's progressed into this, hey, let's help Justin's eyes, you know, doing some different things. To me, that's a good offensive coordinator. Like, and this isn't a shot at Adam, but like Adam Gase with Peyton Manning, I don't think is like a great offensive coordinator as much as like, I kind of like Mike McCoy with Tim Tebow. Like, you know, Mike McCoy didn't want to run any of that stuff. He ran with Tebow, right? Like no coordinator would want to, but he did. And they were successful like that to me, I think is a good coordinator. So to me with the way they're adjusting, I think, yeah, definitely the right guys in the room because they're adjusting to his strengths. If they were sitting there continuing to run the same stuff and the team was still struggling, I would say probably not, but to me, with the growth that we've seen, I think you kind of got to look at look at that and say, man, they're adjusting to this kid. They're trying to put him in the best situation possible. That's really what you want from a coordinator, and especially with a young you know, quarterback like they have in Chicago. What plays should Getsy call that would continue to better fields? Like, what, what would you suggest Getsy call more of moving forward? More, the only thing that I do not think we get enough of right now is shot plays off of like a really good, I call them run action versus play action. So play action, think O-lines and pass pro. It's just me and the running back working the fake. Run action, hey, we're going to pull a guard. You know, we're going to make it look like power. The protection's not as secure, but you're going to get more influence. I want to see more run action shots. And the reason I say that is because if I'm coaching Justin Fields, the protection's not secure anyways. So who cares, right? <laughs> Let's pull a guard, see if we can influence him a little bit more. Worst case scenario, we lose the three tech and Justin's going to make a miss, right? Like let's, he's shown that on tape. So I, I would be open with him about that. Like, listen, I want to work in more run action shots. Pro's going to be a little bit, not as secure, but we're going to influence some more safety so we can let it rip. Let's get on the same page about this. And I guarantee Justin would be sitting there like, hell yeah, I want to let this thing rip a little bit more downfield. And I think it's going to be beneficial for everybody. So that's what I would say. If there was one thing that I would love to see them increase the number of, get to like two or three of these a game, would be those run action shot plays. What's your take on the rest of the Bears season? Do you see more growth for fields? And do you see this team progressing a little bit more offensively and defensively? Yeah. I mean, I think so. I don't think there's anything that I've seen where you're like, man, it looks like there's a big setback coming. Um, I got, you know, the only way I see this offense production, the production is going to be based game in and game out on if fields can make people miss when protection breaks down. Cause they've, when they've had really good games, Justin's been able to spin out of there and make plays when they've had 
Washington Commanders, right? Where it's still a chance to win an NFL football game. So let's not, you know, completely trash them because they basically were an inch short of winning in the NFL, which is everybody knows the hardest thing on planet Earth to do. But it came, their production wasn't the same because he wasn't making people miss and then creating a scramble. So to me, that's where this offense is either going to have production or no production based on those, you know, hey, second effort plays where he's getting out of the pocket and making a play. I think all signs lead to continued growth. That's not going to say that we're not going to have some bumps. There's going to be some bumps. You know, there's going to be a three or four interception game. Like people got to be ready for it. It's going to happen eventually because he is aggressive with the football. So that's where to me, I'm like, I see a lot of growth coming. I do think the production is strictly based on, hey, is he making people miss when the protection breaks down? But to come with Tim Jenkins in just a moment, this is Sports Talk Chicago. Tim Jenkins still here on Sports Talk Chicago. Tim, a few more questions before we finish up. First off, let's talk about your career for a minute. How did you make it to the NFL? That's a great question. I don't know. My wife tells me all the time she has no damn idea how I made it. So, uh, (laughs) no, I think, like, you know, I went to a tiny little D2 school. You know, I was lucky to, you know, play for four years. Um, So I started four years, and then, you know, I was lucky that the Rams called me after the draft and and, and signed me. So that was – I went from – you know, thinking I was going to sell insurance to being able to be a rookie, which, which was fun. And, um, so did that. They got let go, went up to CFL, which was a whole different experience. Um, but yeah, I think for me, a lot of it was like, listen, I think I'm probably doing what I was meant to do now and breaking down tape and coaching. Cause I always was an overachiever compared to my skill set, Right. I think, uh, <laughs> a lot of it came from watching a lot of tape and be able to be a little bit ahead of, of where maybe everyone else was. So that was beneficial to me. And then, uh, yeah, it was a good journey, man. It was fun, but it was, uh, I mean, shoot, it feels like forever ago now. Now I got, you know, four rugrats running around telling dad that <laughs> he didn't play in the NFL because the Rams are in LA and not St. Louis. So <laughs> what was your best moment playing football at any level? Yeah. I, so best moments. I always, t- I, this is what I tell everybody. And I really believe this. I tell my, uh, my oldest kiddo, who's like super, he like loves it. He's just doing flag football but he like thinks it's the coolest I think high school I think like that's the last time you're really gonna play with like your just friends right sure. because then you get to college and the locker room's a little different and then you get to the NFL and it's like it's a it's a business right so I think high school is probably where you're gonna have the most fun but honestly my favorite football memory now is coaching my son it's like it's flat it's you know five-year-old flag football but you know, dialing it up against some of those guys is a lot of fun. And then watching the look on, you know, his face when he goes and makes a good throw is kind of, you know, not to sound uh, sobby, but it's kind of like the, it's the coolest thing on planet earth. So how did you make the shift then from playing to coaching and evaluating film and then Jenkins elite starting that up too? Yeah. So, I mean, I think like everybody, right. The second you get fired, you got to figure out something to do. So I was engaged to my wife at the time and I didn't want her to think I was a loser. So I figured I better start making some money. So I, you know, went and like, you know, after I got let go, uh, with the Rams before I signed in the CFL, I started training one or two kids. Um, then went up to the CFL, did that, came back and then just, I mean, you know, it, it's going to sound lame but i drove like 45 minutes and i charged the kid like 10 bucks to do a lesson so i lost money on gas um 
but it was just the most fun thing on planet earth. Like seeing those guys get better and being able to teach them stuff that, man, I wish I would have known when I was in college or the NFL and I can teach them that when they're 12, it was awesome. And then, so that grew. And then, you know, what we do now is crazy to me. I always thought it was something that like, you know, I could do and make a living doing, you know, now we're in like nine cities, right? So we have, you know, from, we have San Diego, Denver, we have three in Texas, we have Arizona, and then we have some on the East Coast. Like, that's crazy to me. But, you know, I think we've we've grown because we we genuinely just care about if the kiddos get better. It's a lot of guys who played who wish they would have had a guy like us in their corner when they were going through their career. So they just, it's a testament to just like genuinely caring about people and then how fast you can grow by doing that, right? And I think that's um, sometimes misinterpreted in today's world that you could, you can win other ways. And I just don't think you can. I think you, all you got to do is, you know, if you love up the kiddos and you do right by your clients, you're, you're going to get more. And, and so we've been lucky to do that. So it was, uh, I, I think it was hard at first when you're not in the locker room, right? Cause you want to play and you want to do that. And then you start getting enough guys that you can see how you can help, help them along their journey and maybe help them get there faster than, than they would have on their own. Um, and then, you kind of have the locker room all over again, right? Now I get on our coaches call and we have nine, you know, former quarterbacks that run all these locations and, and talk smack. And I feel like I'm right back in the locker room. So I don't really have anything I miss anymore. <laughs> Who was the best quarterback you've trained? Uh, I mean, the most successful right now is PJ Walker, especially after he just beat Tom Brady, right? It's hard <laughs> to beat Tom Brady and then, and then say anyone else. Um, you know, my favorite, uh, you know, I'm not supposed to have favorites, but the favorite is now a sophomore in high school. I started with him when he was like a third grader. And, you know, he's got like, he's like number 18 in the country in passing. And he's a sophomore. Like he's wow. a freak of nature. He's a great kid. <laughs> um, so we're going to his game tomorrow. I'm taking the kiddos and we're going to go watch him play tomorrow. But we've had so many good kiddos and, you know, it's, it's like super corny, but to me, like PJ is really, it's such a cool thing because he's his journey of really believing in himself and going and grinding is awesome. And he's super successful in the NFL. But, you know, our, I always measure our coaches on the guys who shouldn't have played high school football, right? Like there's always those kiddos who really had no business being a starting quarterback for their high school. And then they train super hard and they become that. That is so, I think, much more valuable than even the NFL guys because the like confidence you get from just being that guy on campus for a year and then going through the rest of your life to me is like genuinely life changing. The NFL stuff and our big time college guys are awesome. And I will never get sick of going and watching like our guys play in front of 80,000 people. But I do think there's something to be said about the kids that, you know, get some scholarship money or get a chance to play in high school or college that really probably wouldn't have that, you know, that's almost even more meaningful. PJ would have been fine without me. Right. I, I like to think that we helped him along his way, but uh, it's fun to, you know, th there's a different spectrum of, of kind of fun when some of those kiddos can go and play in college that, that probably, you know, didn't really have any business being there. How rewarding is that for you to impart this knowledge on these younger kids and even these NFL guys and then see them turn out pretty good or turn out in ways that you didn't expect? Yeah. I mean, it's hard because I'm biased. So I expect, you know, PJ goes and lights it up and everybody else is kind of surprised to me. I'm like, that's who I know, right? I know him from being able to make all the throws. Um, you know, he had a little, I, I was joking with my wife. We're watching the game. 
and he has like a little bad arm angle smoke screen that he throws. And I'm like, babe, he's feeling it. Cause I only see that come out in workouts <laughs> when he's like, you know, really feeling it. And then of course he goes on to have a good game. But I think, you know, yeah, it's, it is super fulfilling. I would be lying to tell you that it's always fun. Cause there's a lot of times that like, man, you know, your, your, their wins are, are, are their wins, but in your mind as a coach, their losses, like, man, you wish you could have done something. And then you start to hurt for them the same way you hurt for your kid. You've known these guys and you've been there for everything, right? That's what is kind of different. You know, every coach relationship is good for an athlete. In my opinion, the high school coach, you know, getting that aspect of it, the college coach, but a lot of these guys, like I'm there for everything. Right. Like I'm there for their girlfriend dumps them. Right. And their whole world's over. Right. They don't realize it doesn't matter because they're 16. But like you see everything with them. So you want, you know, by the time they get to college, you like you hurt with them. You know, we have a kid who's going through some stuff with like his coach has said some things to the media and you sit there and you listen to all of it. And then you're like, you know, it takes everything in me with right now that I have a decent following to not quote tweet it and say something right. <laughs> but you can't because you're not going to help. Them. But it's one of those things that, yeah, the good times are awesome and it is so fulfilling. Those bad times sometimes suck. But, uh, you know, you're there for a phone call whenever they need it. <laughs> well, I would say, too, I think it's good on you to show as a coach how much you care about your guys. You know, yeah. you see a lot of coaches who aren't that way. I mean, you you were getting emotional just talking about one of your guys, and I can only imagine it's probably the same for all the guys you coach up or help develop. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. And then I think, you know, as they, yeah, as they grow up, and then football comes to an end, right? And that's what has been cool, I think, with one of my, I, I think, things that have been really cool is we just, so we just launched San Diego, and we launched it with a guy who I actually trained. He played in the CFL. And then now he comes back and launches a location that to me is like full circle, you know, very cool. Cause I do think coaching and what we do is kind of the next best thing to playing. Right. I, I would never tell someone it's better than being an NFL quarterback. Cause I don't think it is, <laughs> but it's up there and it's, and it's pretty close to um, the same level of like just being around football, being able to help coach guys and, and you get a dose of every single level. Right. Cause you know, I, you know, back when I was, on the field all the time. I, you know, I trained little pups all the way up to, you know, NFL guys when I first started out. And that's like such a different world of what you're coaching, right? With the little pups, you're like, please God, just cross over in front, right? You don't, you're, you know, you're just like, you know, don't mess up your second step and your three steps, right? But, and then PJ, you're sitting there and you're like, all right, man, you're going to get track coverage from Bill Belichick on third down here, right? Like there's so many different things that you do. So, um, yeah, it is. It's pretty darn special. And you do, you care about each of them all the same, whether they're taking on Tom Brady or taking on some, you know, eight year old flag team. <laughs> <laughs> and Tim, before we finish up today, last question for you, what's been the funniest moment that you've been a part of in your career? Yeah, I know you prepped me for this one too. I think the best one, the best one for me was when I learned to two hand pump versus single hand pump. So when I got to the NFL, you know, every once in a while you learn to do the two hand pump. And you, you, you know, you don't really care about your pump fakes. I remember trying to pump fake Portland Finnegan, who I'm sure you guys remember from, you know, yep. Andre Johnson. Yep. And I remember two hand pumping him, and then looking at the safety and coming back and he is running down the field and he's given me the bird because he didn't have to react. Cause I didn't have it. And so I like, I'm joking and talking to him after. And he's like, yeah, you got to separate your hands. 
And I think the things that the DBs know, so to me, it was a funny moment, but also a learning moment of like, these DBs at this level are so good that they aren't going to buy, you know, the stuff that they bought at the college level. So I do think that was probably one of my funnier moments. And also one of those that, uh, that you took something away from. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Sam, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Great insights on Fields and the Bears and great insights on your career too. Looking forward to staying in touch and doing this again soon. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Great talk there with Tim Jenkins. That'll do it for us today here on Sports Talk Chicago. Big thank you to Tim Jenkins himself and all of you for listening in to today's program. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports, Facebook John Zaglou. You want to watch more of this show, head on over to SportsTalkChicago.com. So long, everyone. No! No! We are the Turtles! <laughs>